and I'm really excited about this sermon. When I got back and started uh, looking through the passage, and Pastor Kevin and I down there at the Lacey campus were looking through, I was like, man, Lord, you've been teaching me a lot about this passage these last couple of weeks, and now I get to, to speak through it. Um, and it's just that idea that sometimes God's plans are different than ours. And so the big idea today when we get there is going to be plan to submit. The idea of submitting to God's plans over our own. And, and I was reminded of that with the birth of our granddaughter. Our, our first grandchild was born on the 10th of this month, just a few days ago. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. I knew you were good for a clap uh, and everyone else. But um, Gwen and I had planned a couple of different trips. So back in late November, early December, Alaska Airlines came out with some cheap flights. We were like, the baby is supposed to be born on the 3rd, so we're going to buy tickets from the 4th through the 11th. And, and then as we were kind of moving forward towards the end of that sale, it was a good sale, we thought, man, what if the baby doesn't come until later than that. That's not going to be good. So uh, why don't we buy tickets from the 11th through the 18th also? And then that way, if the baby comes later, we'll just show up later. And, and so we felt like we were pretty covered. We had planned out what would happen. And, and our son and daughter-in-law call us up and they're like, hey, we would really love for you guys to be here on the 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 day that she's born uh, because we're not obviously they weren't telling anybody the name of the baby and they wanted us and her parents to be there at the same time so that they could share the name at one time and I I'm like okay so I hung up the phone with them and I went to Alaska Airlines and I looked what would a ticket cost the next day like the day I was on what was the next day what would it have cost me to fly out to Cincinnati and it was like three and a half times what it would have cost me on the sale, right? And I'm like, I can't do that. We we can't afford to do this. But this is our kids' kind of desire. It's their heart. It's their plan. And I thought, man, so when Gwen got home from work, I talked with her about that. I'm like, what are we going to do? We can't really afford to do this, or we don't want to afford to do this. But it was one of those things where that now was in the mix. And we, we, we get through the Christmas season, which I was praying she would just come early. And then that way we would have... Uh, you know, a little bit of time and then just get out there. But baby was comfortable. Okay. So Gwen had all four of our kids at about 37 weeks. And so for us, anything after 37 weeks is late. And, and so they're aiming still for the January 3rd, but we're feeling, man, the baby should have showed up already. And, and so like our plans are all out of whack. Their plans are kind of out of whack. She comes to the third and she just doesn't have the baby. And so Alaska's got a great policy. We're able to cancel like 12 hours out. So we cancel our tickets from the 4th through the 11th. Okay, no problem at all. They bank that money. And our plans now have changed. But what do we do if the baby comes before the 11th, which we would pray that it would. But what if the baby comes before the 11th? What's this going to cost us? And then it got to the place where Pastor Dave was prepping sermons. And I'm like, I can't just have Dave just keep preaching every week and me kind of being held. And now they're starting to talk about baby looks comfortable. Maybe it won't come till 42 weeks. They won't induce till 42 weeks. And like our brains are just kind of like, because we don't know what to do, right? What are we, how are we supposed to plan for this baby. And so finally, kind of in a panic, Pastor Dave had prepped to, to preach two weeks ago. Friday night, we do exactly what we don't want to do, and there's still no baby. 
we buy tickets for the next morning, right? And we're like, we're going, this baby's got to come. So we fly out early on Saturday morning and we're going to fly back the next Sunday, whether the baby shows or not. And we show up there on, on, on Saturday and Anna is looking great. My daughter-in-law at 40 plus weeks, you know, almost 41, she is pregnant. That baby is comfortable. She's getting down on the ground, playing with the dogs still. We're doing puzzles. We're playing games. The four of us, we're having a great time. And on Sunday, Gwen looks at me and goes, this baby's not coming out. Like, Anna's looking great. There's no way this baby's going to come. We're going to be here for another week, and there's not going to be any baby. And, and again, so our plans are going, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw, I'm going to keep telling the story, but why don't I at least throw up this next slide here, okay? So on to, uh, Monday, they go to the doctor. The doctor says, hey, let's go ahead and induce you. You're, you're looking really good. Nothing's of major concern, but let's get this baby out of you. She has the baby Tuesday morning. They get to come home Thursday morning. Gwen and I get to spend those days with our granddaughter, Josephine Louise, born on the 10th. Nobody had planned for it. We canceled the tickets from the 11th through the 18th since we were already out there. Um, it's just, it was a crazy time and, and we just couldn't plan for it. And yet God's timing was perfect. And when I held Josephine Louise for the first time, it wouldn't have mattered if those airplane tickets cost 10 times what I had paid for them. It was worth it, right? And, and so again, God's plan and, and in some ways, the, the idea of planning or, be, you know what, let's put those back up just for a second. Come on now. I mean, I, I could just sit here and look at those for the next, you know, half hour and let you guys go. But no, she was a sweetie mom and daughter healthy, uh, eight pounds, six ounces. Come on now. 21 and a quarter inches long. I think Noah was like 18, his, or her uh, dad, my son was like 18 and a, a quarter. I mean, like this baby is long, long arms, long fingers. She's beautiful. And, and she's here. But anyways, okay, I do need to move on or, or we'll never get done today. But we're talking about planning. Gwen is a planner. How many of you guys would say I'm a planner? Like if we're going on a trip, if we're doing something, even if you're just going to the grocery store, Gwen looks forward to getting her new calendar every Christmas. Okay, I would ask for hands because I'm sure there are a few of you that do the same. She gets that calendar, she takes last year's calendar, and she transfers everything. Birthdays, anniversaries, things, maybe trips that we know that are coming up. And she loves to sit down and do that. Any vacations that we're going to go on, there is a list of what we need to pack, where we're driving to, where we're staying, and all of those things. Spreadsheet, right? She is a planner. We loved to do road trips when the kids were younger. We at least say that. We really did. But we say that because there's no way you can afford to buy six airplane tickets, right? So we would drive out to North Dakota to visit her family. We would drive to California every once in a while to see the great mouse. You know, we would do these road trips. But, man, we planned ahead. There's a lot of planning that goes on. And, and we didn't want there to be any failures in our trips. So we planned for them. And it's been said, when you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? You don't have that plan. Well, for the believer today, I think what James is going to say is, when we plan to submit, we need to be ready to submit to God's plan. So we as, as Christians need to plan to submit, and that submission needs to be to God's plan and not just our own. 
And so as we look at James chapter 4, we'll have the, the words up here on the screen, but if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to open up to James 4 in case you want to jot down some notes. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, back on our Grab a Bible table, we actually have free copies of the Bible. We would love for you to go back even now as I'm talking. Just grab one of those, make it your own. You can put your name in there, start taking notes or whatever. Let that be a gift from us to you. But we're going to be in James chapter 4, only a few verses today. Verses 13 through 17 is what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, and so we're just going to dive right in. James says, come now, you who say. Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow might bring. Now, that's an interesting phrase there that James starts out with. Do you guys see that there? It says, come now. Now, this phrase, it's only used twice in the New Testament. And if you have your Bibles open, look down to the next paragraph, and that's the second time. Come now, okay? So this is an interesting one. We wanted to dive in, kind of see what this meant. And, and really, the, 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 the force behind this, this phrase, come now, is wake up. Wake up. James is saying, wake up. Listen. Right now, what I'm about to say, this is really important. How many of you who have high schoolers, again, I don't need to see hands, but I lived through it with my four children, who have high schoolers have had to wake them up in the morning, right? They set an alarm. You're like, you got to get up. School, you need to catch the bus or you're driving or whatever it is. And, and you go back 10 minutes later and they're still in bed. And you're like, get up, wake up, come on. Come now. Are you serious? We got to leave. You know, and you're, you're, you've got that excitement and that energy. And that's what James is saying here. James is like, hey, wake up. Come on now. Listen to what I have to say. James wants the readers to hear, not just the initial readers, but all of us, even now today, to hear and to reflect on what he's about to say. And look at, look at all the things that we as uh, humans are capable of, right? According to James, we're tempted to boast or to think highly of ourselves in a lot of areas. Uh, and, and so he points those out in this next phrase. And so as we dissected it, this is what we saw. We are tempted to boast in ourselves and be confident in ourselves and be arrogant in ourselves when we make plans and we assume that those are the only plans and that they are the best for us. So it says here, when we will do things, right? He says, today or tomorrow, right? James is pointing out the idea of somebody planning, like, this is what I'm going to do. I know this is what I'm going to do. This is the best for me, and I'm going to do that. Where we will do things. So we had when. Now, where will we do things? James points it out here. He says, when we'll go into such and such a town. How long we will do things. The, the, the story that James is telling here, this person is very confident, right? We, today or tomorrow, are going to go into this town and we are going to spend a year there. And what we're going to do, what things will we do while we're there? Well, we're going to trade. And the result from that trading, that work, will be to make a profit. And yet, look what James says at the end of that statement. If you're looking at that up there, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Now, Pastor Kevin and I, we talked about how much 
we, he and I both individually need planners in our lives. Now, Pastor Dave's back there nodding his head. My wife is behind him nodding her head, right? I I told you about Gwen's planning skills, uh, and and I I should say I barely scratched the surface of all the planning that she does. Grocery lifts, itineraries for the week, for the day, for the month, right? Right? She keeps us informed and ready for what's coming up as a family. And, and that's been so important. I don't know how many times I'm like, okay, so it looks like we got nothing going on Tuesday. I'll do that. And she'll be like, wait a second. If you look at the calendar, this is written there. Oh, yeah, that's right, right? She helps me more than she should have to. But she helps our family keep everything in order and planned, Right? Pastor Dave, I've already given him credit, but I'll do it again. Our church administrator, Teresa Forster, and and Lorraine Eckstein, they are great planners. I can't tell you how many times that I've asked them about something, and, and they just know. They know what's on the schedule. They know what's planned. They know what needs to happen. They have all the information. They seem to never forget, probably because they write things down and then look at where they wrote things down. I mean, I've been told that quite a few times too, right? But they help keep our church in order and, and the planning that needs to go into it. They, they help with that. And, and in the, the day and age we live, it's almost impossible not to be someone that's organized and planned out schedules because we're so busy, right? Even if you are bad at that like I am, the schedule is still there. You just either miss things or you're reminded of things that you should probably already know about. Our lives are busy and busy doesn't mean bad. It can be a good thing, but we we are busy people. And so again, we need to know that. And, and if you and your spouse are both working, if you have kids and school activities and sports schedules and man, I'm telling you, your calendar can be a crazy mess and our time fills up quickly. Yet here's the danger and all this busyness and all this planning, there can become an attitude, right? I, I, I tell you first that James is talking against the planning. Why? Because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Those are truths. But I've also now pointed out how planning is good and strategizing and stuff. Well, how do those two things mesh together, right? Here's the danger. In all of our busyness and our planning, do we allow ourselves to, to have an attitude, an arrogance, a confidence, a self-confidence that we can and do all things, that we can plan out our lives, that we can accomplish them on our own? And that's what James is warning us about. It's easy for us to develop an attitude, this prideful attitude. It can be arrogant. I mean, that's what James is kind of pointing towards. This arrogance of, I know what my life will look like, period. I've done a great job planning it out, period. I don't need God, period, right? And and, and we don't want to have that kind of an attitude. James tells us we need to be careful because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what the future will hold. Just like Gwen and I trying to figure out when this baby will come. And we're making plans and we're changing plans and we feel a little bit out of control. Life is not predictable. And we need to look towards the God who is in control. We don't know what the future will hold. We don't know when the unknown 
will rear its ugly face in our lives, right? We don't know when cancer might strike, when a loved one might die, when financial ruin might come to our home, our retirement portfolio, our bank accounts. When your company decides they no longer need you and they let you go. When mental illness might rear its ugly head either in your life or in someone in your family's life. When any interruption to our plan might take place. That's what James is talking about here. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. So why are you placing all your confidence in a plan that you have laid out for yourself? It could happen any time. We have no idea what tomorrow might bring, and yet God does. Amen? Amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father knows it's in his hands. So planners, we got to be okay with planning things out because I think that there is wisdom in that. Okay, I'll, I'll be honest. I do believe that. And yet we have to be willing to say our plans might need to change. God might have something else in mind. When we don't, we're guilty of trying to be on par with God. We're, we're upset when things don't work out our way. When something might happen that changes the course. And yet, if we trust God, we know that he has good for us. And I do believe that it's entirely, it seems entirely possible, even probable, that sometimes God ordains that our plans might be changed to grow you and I into the men and women that he wants us to be. Sometimes we plan something out that we feel is best for us, but it might not be. And so God might change those plans. Those interruptions might come into our lives to get us back into line. So what do we do? Well, I think it's, it's fine and appropriate to make plans for the future, but we must hold loosely to our future plans. We must be a people who says, God, this is what I'm planning. I'm trying to be wise with my money and with my time. And and we want to move forward in this direction. But I'm going to submit to your will, to your plan. What do you want for my life? If this isn't in line with that, will you help me see that? How many of us are willing to, to do that? We like to plan things out and move forward in it. And yet a lot of times we ask God to bless what we've planned and instead of asking him, what do you have planned for us? So let's let's hold to those future plans loosely, knowing that we need to be a people who are ready to adjust based on God's leading. We, we, we're going to get into that a little bit more here in the next few verses. But when God directs you and guides you and prompts you, are you willing to walk away from the plans that you had made to go a different direction? Or do you say, no, 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 God, I can't listen to you. I didn't hear that because I have this planned and this is where I'm going. Speaking of not knowing what tomorrow will bring, continues on here. It says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. One passage I hear often at memorial services that I've gone to is Ecclesiastes 7.2. 
It says, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and, and the living will lay it to heart. To understand life, you and I need to understand that death is imminent. It is part of our lives. We don't know when it's going to happen. And even if we're blessed with 80, 90, 100 years, it's a vapor. It's a mist. Right? Just James here writing about it. He's not the only one. We see this kind of talk in Ecclesiastes. We see this kind of talk in Proverbs. Life is fleeting. It is short. It is a vapor. It is a mist. And we need to know that. We need to understand that. And we need to live in light of that. Our lives on this earth are but a vapor. This week I went out to, to scrape the car windows. They were frozen over and, and I wanted to kind of get that done, uh, for, for one of the family members that was about to leave the house and he probably hadn't planned enough time to get to work on time if I didn't go out and scrape the windows. So I did, right? And so I run out there and I'm scraping the windows and as I breathe, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God because it's, it was a good time to do that, but I was thinking about this passage and I breathed out in the morning air and there was like my breath, right? It was really cool to see. But then in a second or two, it's gone. So I did that a few times. And that's what James is saying here. It doesn't matter if you get 100 years, guys. It's quick. It's a vapor. It's fleeting. So I breathed out on that cold air and I, I watched the vapor disappear. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's the truth. That's what James is trying to say. None of us here know when we're going to enter into eternity. Life is fragile. My prayer is for a long life, but I need to be living each day as if it might be my last. The second thing we glean from this text is live like you could die today. Live like you could live forever. Or like you'll live forever. These are two seemingly contrasting statements, yet they actually work together well. Let's look at them both. Live like you could die today. Seize every opportunity. Like that of someone who has been given that final diagnosis, you're going to die soon. Right? You're living every day trying to make the most of it. Enjoy today. Be where you are. Put that cell phone down more often. Engage with your family. Engage with your friends. Maximize your time on this earth. Now, I'm guilty of being on my phone. I'm guilty of, of, of hopping on the couch and watching Netflix, right? I'm being guilty of passing on things that I might enjoy today because it seems like there's more wisdom in either saving that dollar or doing something differently. And what James is saying, you don't know. So take advantage of today. Your life appears for a little while, a little time, and then it vanish, vanishes. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next hour or even the next minute. We don't have control over our death. We can't add one more minute to our life. Take advantage of every moment that you're given. The second part is live though this life. Make those decisions for today, for tomorrow, for next week, for the month, for the year. Live those in light of the fact 
that if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are going to live for eternity with Jesus. That affects what we do, how we do it, what we say, right? There's, there's wisdom that we need to apply to our life because we know that we're going to spend eternity with our saviors. And, and this, this thought process, live in light of the fact that you're to live forever with Jesus, it, it brings us back to the first question there that James asked, what is your life? James wants us to think about what our life is. That's what he's been doing for the last four chapters. He's talking about practical things that you and I need to be doing in our lives. Do we ever think about that question? In light of the decisions you're making today for today, the decisions you're making today for tomorrow, do we think about what is my life in light of an eternity with Jesus Christ? Is that even important to us? Does that cross our mind? It's such an important question to ask, to reflect on, and to make decisions while you're thinking about that. What is my life? It's a a gift from our creator God, right? Do you truly believe that? Do you live in light of that? Why am I here? Well, I hope it's to know him and to make him known, right? I mean, that's what we should be doing, getting to know Jesus and then telling people about him. What do I want my legacy to be? Well, more than a vapor, right? I don't want it just to be, I don't want to just be forgotten. The only things that really matter are the things that we do that will last for eternity. Are you having an eternal impact on your family, on your friends? When I truly believe I will live forever, it will change my attitude, my words, and my actions. When we plan, sometimes we forget to be dependent on God. So again, I'm not coming down hard on the planners. I've already admitted I'm on the other side of that board, right? But I'm not coming down hard on the planners. What I'm saying is, can you plan and still realize that God is in control, that we are dependent on him, and that we need to listen to his voice, his prompting, Holy Spirit's prompting, and be willing to change our frailty and, and ignorance lead to the conclusion that if we say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. It's different than what James had originally written. It's that idea of saying, if God allows me to, then I will. And that's where James is going here. He wants us to know what our lives really are in light of eternity. Let's look at these last couple of verses here. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Again, James is really practical. We've been looking at all these practical things throughout the first four chapters. If you haven't been here, this is your first Sunday here. This afternoon, just read through James 1 through 4. It won't take you very long. And you'll see that he's talked about a lot of practical things in your life. And that's what James's goal was. In light of the Sermon on the Mount that his brother had preached, Jesus, and in light of the Torah, which he knew, especially Proverbs, he said, these are some areas that I need to encourage the church in. 
Obviously, I believe Holy Spirit prompted him. He wrote the book of James. But these are practical areas in your life, each one of them. And that's why it's been beautiful. We've been able to grab one of those each week and look at them. But these are some areas in light of that we will live forever with God. In light of that, these are areas that you need to live in certain ways. And, and, and so here we say, if the Lord wills and we live and do this or that, right? It, it's that idea of understanding that God is in control. We must begin with God when we're planning. So you planners, can you at least say, hey, if the Lord wills, this is what we're going to do, right? Or in light of the truth of scripture, the book of James, when I plan something, I want to at least be ready to say, God, if this isn't your will, show me and, and I'll go a different direction. That's what James is asking this morning. Will you begin your planning with God? It's not for lack of planning. James just wants you to plan the right way. And with God being first, order matters, right? And if we're willing to say, in light of my relationship with God, this is what my plans are, right? And yet, Lord, I'm going to listen to you. And if, if you desire for me to change them, I'm going to be willing to change them. That's what James is, is pushing us towards. Anything I ever do is ultimately over, under the sovereignty of God. He allows me to do what I've done. He allows me to be here this morning to, to speak to you. He will allow me tomorrow to get up and to go to work. James isn't saying sit around and do nothing because God is sovereign, so it doesn't matter. You don't need to plan, right? No, he's not saying that, but he wants us to remember, just like the rest of the book of James, all of these different situations, here's how you can move forward in a godly way. That's what he wants us to know. We've studied it over these last couple of months. James commands us over and over and over again to go and to do and to take actions because discipleship is not a passive affair. You have been called to do great things. James isn't against planning. He's simply reminding us that planning that doesn't acknowledge God or the Lord's sovereign rule in our life is wrong. I mean, look what he says here. All such boasting, and we're talking about boasting in our planning, is evil. He tells us to wake up, to come on, to listen, to work out our faith, and to remember that God is in control and that our planning needs to consider that. We need to acknowledge the full dependence on our sovereign God. So we should, as a people, plan with humility, ready to change as God leads. Look what he says. We will live. If the Lord wills, we will live. My living and my dying is at the will and the sovereignty of God. And I got to be fine with that. I got to be okay with that. That's the attitude that you and I as disciples need to have. We need to know and trust our sovereign God. James goes on and says, and do this or that. If we do live today, right, we will do this or that according to God's will. Again, difference from the, the planning that he talked about earlier. 
if he wants to stop my plan, if God wants to stop my plans that I have laid out, I need to be fine with that. If he wants to change my plans, I need to be fine with that. If he has plans that I haven't even thought of yet, I need to be willing to listen and to do those things. This all flows out of last week's encouragement. If you were here and and heard Pastor Dave preach, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That idea of submission, putting yourself under God's planning, God's will in James 4, verse 7. James, though, then warns us, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is, is evil. It's not just frowned upon, right? It's evil. It's from the enemy, To live your life separate from the will of God or acknowledging the will of God or acknowledging God's hand in your life is not from God. It is evil. In that same vein, James says that this independence, this arrogance, self-reliance is a sin. And we need to become a people who are willing to submit to God's leading. We need to repent And turn away from this kind of thinking and planning. Now James shifts here in this last verse his emphasis from knowing God's will to doing God's will. And that's where we'll close today. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now this is a short verse. You've probably heard it often. Here today we're looking at it in context. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. What James is doing here is he's bringing up a different kind of sin than we normally think of, right? We typically think about sins in, in, in terms of sins of commission. We commit a sin, right? I mean, that's what you think about. We steal, we kill, we lie, we lust, we cheat, we gossip. Those are all sins, and you do them. They're an action, But James tells us here something that's pretty interesting. And when you get this, it really does change your outlook on life. If you read this and you understand this in light of scripture, it changes your life. James tells us that we can also be guilty of sins of omission. This is where we don't do something that God has commanded us to do. We omit a behavior that God has commanded you and I to do. That's what James is saying here. So whoever knows what the right thing to do is and fails to do it, for him it is sin. That's that's a a, a lot different than a lot of us spend our days thinking about. Well, if I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do this, I'm not committing any sins, I'm going to be okay. But do we think about God has called me to this? to act like this, to walk this way. And if we don't do it, ah, it's just okay. Maybe tomorrow we'll, we'll do that. Or do we say to ourselves, no, God has called me to be this kind of a person. I need to do that. Do we look at that behavior, the omission of commandments that God has given us as sin? Don't forget all we've learned up to in this point of James, in the book of James, this book as a, as a whole, it's been a challenge for you and I to live our lives wisely, right? If you look at all these things, we've been called to live a certain way. 
And so today you got to ask yourself, is this stuff in here just so I can consider it? Or has God commanded or called me to live in a certain way? And am I going to be a person who's going to submit to these commands? It's almost easier to, to think about the sins we can't commit and to say, well, I haven't done that. I'm a, a pretty good person. It, it's kind of black and white. Whereas here, again, I would argue it's still black and white, but we've been called to do things. And if we don't do them, we're not living to the standard that God has called us to live. We're falling short. So it's an interesting way to look at it. And James wants to, to kind of catch this before these last couple of weeks where we'll look at the end of the book. He's going to say, not only are there sins of commission where you commit a sin, but there are sins of omission. In light of everything that I've said so far in this letter, you have been called to live a certain way. And that's the challenge for you and I is to live wisely in light of God's sovereignty in our lives. When we think back to the big ideas of, of all the, the, the sermons that we've preached, the, the sections of the book of James, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a few of them here. I'm going to read them off to you, and hopefully you'll remember at least some of them. But the first one was the idea of, I can pass the test. James starts out his book talking about passing tests and trials that come into our lives. The second uh, big idea that we had was money matters. Use it for the gospel. James calls us to live in a certain way in regards to our finances. Do we live that way? Are we willing to submit to God's will in that? I choose, to, I choose God's truth over my own comfort. Right? James is saying God has a plan for your life. And it may make you uncomfortable. Are you willing to live that way? Take truth in. Live truth out. That idea of elevating God's word in our, life and, in our lives and his truth. There are no favorites in his family. Right? The idea of, of treating some people better than others. Because they're dressed like they, they might be wealthy. Or, or they fit into the crowd that we would normally walk in. Are we a church that, that, that avoids that? And, and, and sees every person as important. A workless faith is a worthless faith. Again, the idea that your faith saves you, but are you working out what God has called you to do? So again, in light of this verse, in light of today's passage, all of these things come into play. My words paint my portrait, the idea of taming my tongue, right? Wisdom, the source determines the outcome. Are we going for worldly wisdom or godly wisdoms? And then last week, choose my battles wisely, resisting fights and quarrels with your fellow believers. James has been working through this entire letter up to this point to say to you this morning, you know what to do, you know what is right, and if you don't do it, if you fail to do it, it is sin. And he doesn't say that to beat you over the head and make you feel bad, but he should be encouraging you to go, okay, wait a second here. I need to look back, not only in James, but all of scripture. What and how has God called me to live out my life like? Are you willing to be that kind of Christian? Be proactive and go after that. In all these things, everything that he's written about, 
Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And James is now, he's talking about the seriousness of submitting to God in our future plans. James is saying, you've all been warned. Live this way, right? Live the wise way. So how can we apply these principles to our lives? Really quick, just closing up here before we go into a time of communion uh, and, and worship again. How are you planning to submit? So for those of you that might be taking notes or if you're just taking mental notes, maybe there's some areas this week you could think about. Submission to God in the area of your career. How, how are you planning to submit through your job, through a potential promotion? Just because you can get it doesn't mean it's the right thing, right? Or do you stay at a company because you're comfortable instead of going where God may be calling you to go? a different location, a different job. Thinking that you're in control, right, of your career, your life. In your family, are you living like you could die today? Are you making decisions that glorify God and that are for the moment? Are you making the most of it? Are you living like you have an eternal future? How does this affect your time with your family and what you do, maybe what you do around the house or with your hobbies. The third thing I wrote down here was free time. How are you planning to submit during your downtime? The time where you have for yourself. Are you being wise with what you're planning, the vacations, the meeting of friends and families and the opportunities that you might have through those to share the gospel. And the fourth thing I wrote down here was your finances. Are you wise with your finances in light of eternity? In light of what God has called you to? Uh, A lot of us in the last few years, we've seen that our 401k, our retirement, they're not bulletproof. And if we put all of our faith and our trust in that system, They shouldn't be our anchor. God should be. We need to start our planning, our finances, our budget with God in mind. And these are just scratching the surface. There's a lot of areas that God might be calling you to today to submit to the plan that he has for your life.